Welcome to the Books and Bites podcast. Each month, we bring you book recommendations and discuss the bites and beverages to pair with them. I'm Carrie Green, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Melissa Colston and Michael Cunningham. Hello. Hello. So today we're talking about the next book club read, Bluebird, Bluebird, by Attica Locke. Melissa, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit more about the book club? Sure. So the JCPL book club meets once a month on the last Monday of the month, except for December, because that's a difficult time for everyone. Um, But every other month. This month, the date is November 25th, and we meet at 6 p.m. in the Davis Conference Room right here at JCPL. Uh, We pick a new book every month, and it's usually available to pick up the same day as the meeting for the previous month. So if you'd like to join us, feel free to stop by the customer service desk and pick up the copy of the book for the month. So every once in a while, we like to all read the book club pick um, and chat a little bit about it. So for those of you that can't make it to the the physical book club, you can enjoy a little book talk, um, read along with us and enjoy a little talk about that book. Um, so who wants to describe Bluebird, Bluebird? Well, I'm kind of the one that picked it, so why don't I I kick it off? (laughs) Um, Bluebird, Bluebird was published a couple of years ago, I think 2017, and it is a mystery set in East Texas, and the main character is a Texas ranger who is also a, uh, a young black man, and he's sort of troubled. Uh, sort of an unreliable narrator, and he's investigating a couple of deaths in a small town in East Texas uh, up Highway 59, uh, as this series is called, the Highway 59 series. And the sequel just was published a few weeks ago. So that was part of the reason I wanted to pick it, because I'd heard so much about it, and um, I know my regular book club attendees appreciate a mystery thrown in every once in a while. So uh, does that sound about right? To you all? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. So what did you all like about Bluebird, Bluebird? Well, I tend to read uh, quite a few mysteries. Um, I really like the the, the, uh, sense of setting and place in there, the East Mm -hmm. Texas, um, you know. And then I really liked how it tackled, like, social issues and kind of put a light on you know the race relations and um the kind of strange relationship with law enforcement african-american community and how that kind of intertwines especially in the south Mm -hmm. yeah i think it doesn't spoil anything to let you know that the our young ranger is investigating the deaths of a white woman and a black man that happened really close in time to each other, but the black man was found murdered before the white woman was found murdered. So um, that's part of what he's trying to figure out happened. And um, there's a lot of, a lot of small town tension. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I agree with you, Michael. I think the, the setting was definitely a very strong part of the book. And I I feel like I've read that elsewhere as well. Um, but I appreciate, like, I could picture a lot of it really clearly. I could tell how hot and muggy it might have been. <laughs> like, it felt very vivid in that way. I was, yeah, I was just going to add that, um, 
yeah, I t- totally agree with you. And that this actually, 2018, it won the Edgar Award for like best mystery novel. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, I also appreciated the sense of place. I especially liked the focus on um, the diner versus the ice house and how they were so different, um, but also both really vividly dis- um, portrayed. Um, and that- yeah, they felt like very real places that you may have been in or, or seen somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also really appreciated the the focus on soul food oh, <laughs> throughout definitely. the book, definitely. <laughs> which we'll um, hopefully talk about a little bit more when we talk about our food picks or food and beverage picks. Um, other any any other thoughts about the book? Um, I think one of the things that I appreciated about it that also felt very authentic and and true to reality was how. Um, because Darren is the the Texas Ranger, his name is Darren. He's not from the town where he's investigating these murders, and you know, even though he has the same color skin as one of the main other main characters, like she doesn't immediately open up to him or trust him, um, and just sort of the I appreciated the way that the story unraveled. Like you didn't get all the information all at once. Things were held back in a way that, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's all part of getting to know someone. And I think sometimes, sometimes in, in mystery novels, there's, there's a lot more telling than figuring out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I, I, you know, I think it was, it was the way that, I don't know, normal people would react to cops coming in from out of, out of town. And not wanting to immediately trust them to to get it right or do the right thing. And I think it also showed that, I mean, they, it, he is a black cop, but it shows how deep-seated mistrust of police is um, and can be by African Americans, and certainly deservedly so, <laughs> especially given their history with the police in their town. Yeah. Especially Texas, which has yeah. a notorious <laughs> right. reputation in history. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think for me, I felt like the book, it moved kind of a little too slow in the beginning because I, it seemed like it was just this straight cut and dried Aryan Brotherhood murder <laughs> Which I was hoping it wasn't, <laughs> and it 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 wasn't. Um, which I hope that doesn't spoil anything for you. I I probably would have stopped reading it um, by because by the halfway point there wasn't a whole lot to engage me. I don't, Michael, you feel the same way? Yeah, I thought it was kind of slow, but it was just enough to keep me engaged. But it, yeah, the action didn't really pick up till like just a little bit after the the midway point. Mm-hmm. And once it got there, things got a lot yeah. more interesting. And and I really appreciated the nuance of the race relations that was talked about and how intertwined they, you know, black and white people were in that really small town. Yeah, it definitely felt like, you know, however much you thought you had figured out about the relationships between the different folks in the in the town 
you definitely don't by the end of it. <laughs> like, um, I, yeah, I think there was a lot of um, that sort of, I don't know if it's like gray area, but like nothing was really black and white to maybe put it not so gracefully. But I would agree with you both that I think it did move a little slowly, even though I finished this book almost in one sitting. Like it moved, the, the pacing was slow, but that didn't necessarily mean I didn't finish it quickly. I felt overall it was a quick read for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I finished it pretty quickly, yeah. too. It would be a good travel book. Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. On a on a plane or something in an airport for a long time. <laughs> Definitely, um, I th- the one of my not so n- enamored aspects of it is I have notes. Where are all the lawyers and judges? <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's just cops. There's no lawyers. There's no one like taking control of the situation. That was my my only quibble. Um, and like, why is he taking? the wife of the murdered yeah, man along was, everywhere. That was one of my big questions. <laughs> Why is she along for this whole investigation? <laughs> yeah. Also, I, you know, although I appreciated the fact that this is an African-American central character and he's a police officer and all of that, I felt like there were a lot of, also a lot of stock elements to his character, like... He's troubled. He has a, a wife that he's estranged from. He's an alcoholic. Yep. I don't know. What did you all think about yeah, that? Sci-fi, yeah, sci-fi. Hard-drinking cop who kind of doesn't know. He's kind of outside the law, but not quite. Yeah. He's suspended. So, like, yeah, it's very kind of stereotypical. You find in mysteries or mm-hmm. noir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you both on that on that point um i think i didn't particularly agree with most of his decision making so that didn't really help me like a lot of his characterization um you know he he makes a lot of poor choices he drinks a lot like there's a lot of borderline misconduct that happens so Mm -hmm. you know there were that those aspects of his character and like those aspects of the story were not the things that i enjoyed about it Mm -hmm. um and the fact that he's troubled and he's mixed up in pretty illegal things. Like, you know, um, I, yeah, I, those were not my favorite parts. But I, I actually did appreciate um, perhaps just how, like, he was reliably unreliable. Like, by the end, it was like, oh, I just can't really pay attention to anything he says as true or factual or, you know, helpful to figuring out the story like I figured out he had done it pretty early um but I couldn't really trust his observations throughout the book I don't I don't I I found that to be actually something to appreciate about it um but I can see I could see why that would turn people off from his character as well any thoughts on that yeah, I mean, yeah, I I agree with you there. I mean, I, it was pretty easy, I guess, I don't know, to figure out who did it. There were so few characters who it could mm-hmm. be or that would actually hold any kind of gravity, you know, at the end of the book. Um, but, yeah, you, you know, he, he was always making pretty bad <laughs> decisions, and you're just like, you know, it was a little frustrating at times. 
Yeah, I guess, I mean, yes, he did make a lot of bad decisions, but I don't recall ever feeling that he was that unreliable in his observations. I'm not quite sure. Well, maybe, I guess not in his observations, but in, like, his way of going about finding things out. I don't know if I'm saying this well either, but I think maybe that he was unreliable as a detective. <laughs> like, in his job, I I, I didn't trust his, the way that he went about the investigation and maybe his opinions about how, like, the politics were working out or how the relationships he was forming were working out. Um, so maybe that's what I mean by unreliable. Because um, I think once he figured out certain facts, like, those were obviously led to figuring out what happened but more just like his perceptions of Geneva or Randy the wife of the man that was murdered or you know even the the scenes with the Aryan Brotherhood like it it sometimes it seemed to me like she was trying to um you know lead you down a path of thinking oh it was definitely these guys but no it's not it's a twist it's this other guy you know like that kind of thing yeah mm-hmm. like his I guess as a detective or as a Texas Ranger, like when he snuck up on that ice house, it's like, why, you know, (laughs) went back later. That was so widely outside the law. Um, Yeah. That things, things like that. Is that kind of what you're getting at or? Yeah, I think so. And like maybe his reasoning for, perceiving things certain ways like um the way he evaluated different situations and different people it was like no you need to get out of there like you do not need to be sticking around in that place (laughs) or something like that um yeah also got a sense like he had this moral obligation you know like he would do whatever it took to figure out who did it even though you know he probably should have left or called his friend or you know Mm -hmm you know, reinforcements from the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Or like gotten warrants at any time. Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. I do want to, I think we can say spoiler alerts. If you're going to keep reading, keep listening without having read the book. Um, I do want to ask you all what you thought about the ending and the setup for the next book. Oh, the mother. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I liked that. I was like, that mother, she's one to watch. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, she pretty much holds his entire career in her hands. She really does. And I I think that's part of what I didn't love about this book was that it felt like she was setting a lot up for the next book. Mm -hmm. That it it was like either needlessly um, tension like overarching tension from all of these other things where we don't really know this guy, but it's a lot of setup. Um, and I think she start is going to start to address that in the next book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like the Aryan brotherhood is from reading like the dust jacket is going to be, I guess a player throughout the series, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure after what happened in this book, it's going to come back. I'm sort of ready for, I don't know if I want to keep reading the books, but I'd really like to watch it on TV. Yeah, I agree. It definitely felt very cinematic. And the author writes for the TV right. show Empire, so definitely on board with that. <laughs> yeah. 
Especially if we, they got like some really handsome young man to play Darren. Well, it's I mean, very nice of course to look they're at. going to find <laughs> a handsome young man to play Darren. That would be great. Yeah, like, while I was, because I play the movie in my head while I read, so like I was picturing like, Anthony Mackie or uh, Aldous Hodge from the show. Um, it was on the Underground Railroad show. Underground. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't know who those people are. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have either. to look them up. The Falcon <laughs> yeah. from Captain America. No, we've never seen the Marvel movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now that you say that. I don't know their real names. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be um, very easily adapted. Oh, yeah. And it could be really cool. Um but the other thing that I kind of wanted to touch on, even though we're running very long, um, was when we, I was trying to find read-alikes or suggestions to to go along with this book. Have you all read any other books by mystery books by black authors? Because I haven't. I can't think of any. No. Yeah, it's definitely like a- I haven't even read a Walter Mosley. I was just gonna say yeah, <laughs> I haven't even read Walter Mosley. <laughs> Yeah. You haven't either? No, that's the only, yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, for <laughs> sure, it's definitely a unique yeah, point of view. It is. And I, I, I was glad that we ended up choosing this book because I was able to do a little more digging and find other really interesting sounding mysteries by black authors. Um, and to be like, why haven't I read any Walter Mosley yet? Like, he's a big deal. I need to fix that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, devil in the blue dress was a huge one yeah he has so many yeah. books so many books okay so. well this could be a challenge for next year <laughs> yeah <laughs> that sounds like a good idea so do we want to talk about the bites or beverages we paired with the book yeah sure well there were a lot to choose from for sure mm-hmm. uh, the main character geneva owns a cafe and Oh, they spend a lot of time in that cafe. So, what was your recommendation for pairing? So, my pairing, so I found a book here called The Homesick Texans Family Table by Lisa Fain. Oh, perfect. So, <laughs> I decided to cook up a Texas staple cowboy beans. I love to, like, experiment and concoct new bean recipes with baked beans and stuff at home, throwing in new ingredients. So I saw this one, and I couldn't pass it up. It calls for half a cup of brewed coffee, molasses, and beef jerky. Um, it's a little different wow. than what I'm used to. but That it was, is a lot of flavors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. It was really good. And then I also washed it down with an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, which was could be found in Geneva Sweets, Sweets Cafe. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, I... On one of the very first pages, they talk about one of the characters selling jars of pickled okra. So, of course, I had to bring up my favorite recipe for pickled okra. So much my favorite that I haven't actually tried to make any others because it's just so good. It's an Alton Brown recipe from Good Eats. And he uses rice wine vinegar instead of the usual high acid white or cider, apple cider vinegars. So the bite isn't quite as punchy as many recipes. I love this recipe and I could eat an entire pint jar full of okra if 
no one catches me in the act. Like I will just keep eating them. I They're love so good. Yeah, I love it too. So good. You should try his recipe. It's great. And actually, I also did an okra recipe. <laughs> um, okra was very well represented in this book. Um, if you remember, now, one of the things about choosing the food for me was that so much of it kind of ended badly. <laughs> like Michael's last meal, which sounded delicious. I think I'd be happy with that kind of meal. Um, was catfish, bread and cornmeal, okra and tomatoes, peas, and a Coors. Um, so I, when I finished the book, it was right around the time we were actually getting a lot of okra in our CSA. Um, and I love okra, really cooked anyway, um, but my husband doesn't enjoy the slime factor that sometimes comes with stewed okra. Um, so I found, and I have roasted okra before, but I hadn't roasted um, okra and tomatoes together. And there is a recipe in Mississippi Vegan, Recipes and Stories from a Southern Boy's Heart. Um, and it roasts the okra and tomatoes in the oven, which that really helps cut down on the slime factor and gives it a nice caramelization. Um, so the first time I made it, I served it over polenta. So it still had that corny flavor you'd get from the, if you were breading either the okra or the catfish um, in cornmeal. And the second time I served it over rice, which was also tasty, but I think I preferred the, the There's polenta. just something about corn, okra, and tomatoes all together. I know. It sounds amazing. I'm going to have to try it. <laughs> So we still wanted to bring you some book recommendations. Um, so today we're going to talk about some books that complement Bluebird, Bluebird. They're not necessarily read-alikes, um, at least they're not in my case. Um, and the book, first book I wanted to start off with is called Black Klansman, Race, Hate, and the Undercover Investigation of a Lifetime by Ron Stallworth. This is a real-life tale of a black cop fighting racism, um, and it's the memoir that inspired Spike Lee's 2018 film, Black Klansman. In 1978, Stallworth, the first black detective on the Colorado Springs police force, noticed an ad in the local paper recruiting members for a new chapter of the Ku Klux Klan. Expecting to receive literature back in the mail, Stallworth responded to the ad using his real name. Instead, a KKK member phoned Stallworth, who quickly responded by posing as a white supremacist. Stallworth convinced his superiors to open an intelligence investigation into the Klan, with Stallworth communicating by telephone and a white colleague impersonating him for face-to-face -face meetings. Over the course of the investigation, Stallworth spoke many times on the phone to David Duke, who assured him that he could tell by Stallworth's voice that he was a pure-blood Aryan man. In addition to the white supremacist attitudes of the KKK members, some of whom were also members of the U.S. military, Stallworth describes the racism he faced from officers on his own police force, including a painful episode where his colleagues informed him that they could tell when they were talking to a black man. Like Darren Matthews, Stallworth encounters fellow African Americans who don't understand why he has gone to work for what they consider a racist institution. 
Also, like Matthews, Stallworth is determined to bring about change from the inside. Stallworth himself narrates the audiobook version of the book, and while I think a professional voice actor might have brought more nuance to their performance, I appreciated hearing the voice that was so central to this story. Be warned that he often quotes the clan members' racist slurs, and while that language provides essential details, hearing it can be upsetting. If you've seen the movie, you should also be warned that the book contains far fewer explosions and dramatic moments of tension. In fact, the way the investigation ends in real life is a little disappointing. But then, real life is often disappointing. In the updated version of the book that I listened to, Stallworth addresses some of these disappointments, including the fact that nearly 40 years after his investigation, a white nationalist murdered a woman and injured 35 others during a Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, a rally attended by none other than David Duke. While reading Bluebird, Bluebird, I mainly thought of uh, Joe R. Lansdale. He's a Texas native. His books largely take place in East Texas, right around the Sabine River. Um, he's famous for the Happen Leonard series, which was made into a TV series for the Sunday's Channel and is currently available on Netflix. So the first in the series is called Savage Season and is currently available on Overdrive. Uh, Hap Collins and Leonard Pine are best friends. Hap is a white guy born and bred in East Texas, while Leonard is gay, is a gay African-American Vietnam vet. So one day, Hap's ex-wife, who he just can't get over for some reason, shows up promising a huge score that is buried beneath the Sabine River in the trunk of a car that was part of a robbery about 15 years back. So, yeah, this is there's a lot of mystery. It's a little more suspenseful than Bluebird, Bluebird. Um, it's one one of the char- uh, characteristics of Joe Joe R. Lansdale is his dialogue, which is very sharp and full of wit. It almost kind of reminds me of like a Tarantino dialogue that he's famous mm-hmm. for. Um, yeah, there it's a it's a quick read, and uh, I would definitely suggest trying that one out. So my recommendations are a little bit more read-alike uh, for Bluebird, Bluebird, Bluebird. That is really hard to say every time. Um, but they're not mysteries. Uh, the first one is Whiskey and Ribbons by Lisa Cross Smith. Oh, I started to read that a while yeah. ago. I, um, I actually heard her read from it, um, and she was amazing. She was a really great reader. But anyway, I didn't actually <laughs> stick with the book. <laughs> Maybe I need the audiobook version of her reading it. Yeah, that would be great. I don't think there is one. No, it was I don't think published. Is. <laughs> it's published by a small press out of South Carolina. But she, Lisa Crossmith, is from Louisville, and the book is set in Louisville. So um, hopefully someday there will be an audiobook we can listen mm-hmm. to. Um, so if what you liked about Bluebird, Bluebird was the dynamics between Darren and Randy and Darren and his wife, Lisa, you might want to check out Whiskey and Ribbons. Uh, the book focuses on Evangeline, her police officer husband, Eamon, and his adopted brother, Dalton, as they get to know each other and then in the aftermath of Eamon's death while on the job. 
The narrative flashes back from a few months after Eamon's death to when he met Evangeline and when he introduced her to Dalton while exploring everyone's relationship with each other. The themes of brotherhood, new love, and friendship turned love through grief as Evangeline grieved together are the focus of the book. From the very beginning, I found myself completely taken in and, and invested in the characters, even though the story moves at a steady but very slow pace. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, it's a, it's a, a long book, um, but I, I really liked the writing, and I think it would be a good companion to Bluebird, Bluebird. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that poetry is often the best way to deal with difficult subjects, I recommend the book Don't Call Us Dead by Dana Smith, a finalist for the National Book Award in Poetry. The book's opening sequence of poems, Summer Somewhere, imagines an afterlife for all the, quote, boys brown as rye, unquote, who've been murdered because of their race. With precise images and musical language, The poems horrify with the litany of violence committed against black bodies by police, vigilantes, and others, while also offering the vision of a place where the murdered can be, quote, alive someplace better, unquote, where they can, quote, go out for sweets and come back, unquote. The poems inhabit the point of view of the murdered as well as those grieving for them. Quote, dear air where you used to be, begins one poem, Dear Empty Chucks by Front Door, unquote. It's these everyday specific details about the boys' lives, the sneakers left behind, the desire for sweets, that make the poems and their subjects' fates so gut-wrenching. Smith argues that death shouldn't be the only refuge for these boys and imagines an alternative, quote, Paradise is a world where everything is sanctuary and nothing is a gun, unquote. Not all the poems in the collection address police violence. Smith also writes about what it's like to be black, queer, and HIV positive in poems that include a healthy measure of humor and joy to temper the grief. Smith began his poetry career performing in slams, so if reading poetry isn't your thing, check out the videos of his performances on his website. The three-minute video, Alternate Heaven for Black Boys, includes some of the poems in the opening sequence of Don't Call Us Dead, and is a powerful reminder of just why many of the African-American characters in Bluebird, Bluebird are so mistrustful of the police. So for my next book, I stuck with the same East Texas setting and actually the same author. So this is The Thicket by Joe R. Lansdale. It's a Western that takes place at the turn of the century, just about 1900. Um, It's about Jack Parker. Um, He's about 16 years old. He's just lost his parents to a smallpox outbreak in the town of Hingegate, Texas. His religious grandfather um, is escorting him and his sister Lula nor to their aunt's place, when they run into a notorious gang of outlaws led by Cutthroat Bill, who kidnap his sister. 
So Jack enlists the help of Eustace, a black grave digger, and his companion, a boar named Hog, a bounty hunting dwarf named Shorty, and an ex-prostitute named Jimmy Sue to help track down Cutthroat Bill and ultimately save a sister. This book is a a lot like True Grit. If you ever seen the movie or oh yeah, I'm a book. big fan of True Grit. It's it you know, Shorty reminded me if you ever read Game of Thrones or watched it, it's just like a Western version of Tyrion Lannister. <laughs> um, I mean, it's still it's full of that that sharp, witty dialogue. I I really love this book a lot. <laughs> it sounds like quite the gang of characters. It is. There's a bunch. He's like, how is this going to work? But, I mean, he really was able to pull it off. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, you have everything from um, Game of Thrones, read alike to <laughs> Book of Poetry on, on this um, list of yeah. recommendations. It's my first time I haven't done a horror book. <laughs> That's right. You did it. You did it, Michael. And Michael does read things other yeah. than horror. That should be my challenge next year. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thanks, everyone, for listening once again to the Books and Bites podcast. We produce this podcast in the recording studio at the Jessamine County Public Library. For links to the books and recipes we talked about today or to sign up for our Books and Bites newsletter, visit our website at justpublib.org forward slash books hyphen bites. Our theme song is The Breakers by Scott Whitten from his album In Close Quarters with the Enemy. You can find out more about Scott and his music on his website, adoreforadesk.com. 